0: So good to be together today. Uh, Good to have visitors with us. We want you to know you are especially welcomed, and we're excited to have you here. Uh, It's always good to get together uh, with one another as God's church. Uh, We've been studying throughout this year so far in this series. This is the last one on the series, but uh, we've been studying about the church and what the church is. Uh, And today we're going to wrap up this series by considering how the church is a family. And that means that we're called to love, support, and encourage one another. Uh, is that how you feel about the church that meets here? You feel like there there are people here who love, support, and encourage you? And do you feel like you're a part of the group here? Obviously not visitors, but you could be. Uh, that you're you're a part of the group here who is building up the body that's helping encourage and to support those who are around you. Um, We've looked at how the church is uh, not a place. A lot of times we say that. We're going to go to church. Are you ready to go to church? You know, uh, I go to church at, you know, we say that those kind of words and those kind of phrases because it's a building with a sign out front that says church of Christ or church somewhere on the sign. But that is not the true biblical description of a church the church is a group of people who meet together so church is really our identity it's who we are we are god's people we are Christ's uh saved group of people and so we have to retrain our minds because thinking about church as a place we go to gives us a consumerist kind of mindset and we've been looking at the consumerist mindset throughout the last couple of weeks that we we tend to think about church as a very transactional thing. We give our time, and we give some money, and we expect value back. And if there's, no time, if there's no value back, then we take our time and we take our money somewhere else. And that's, that's essentially the way that we view churches, much like businesses. And that's not the scriptural view of a church and the way the church is supposed to operate and be. Uh, but we, we talked last time about how sometimes we, we, as maybe leaders, talk about church as though it's some kind of business. Uh, and we handle things like it's a business, and it's not a business, it's a body, it's a, it's a living organism. That's what the church is, and it's the body of Christ that's here to represent Jesus, our head, on the earth. And that's, that's our purpose. We are intimately connected to Christ. The blood of Jesus runs through our veins. The Spirit of God is in us, and, and, and breathing and giving us life. And that's the picture that God gives us throughout the book of Ephesians, especially that that's who we are. We are the body of Christ, not a place that we go to perform some services, but that we are a body that is knit together in love, uh, serving each other in order to glorify God with our time here on this earth. See how this different perspective completely changes what we're doing here. To something that's like a a service that I'm just here to enjoy and then to go and about my life. It goes from that to this is where I meet the people who are joined together with me. Who are a part of Christ's body with me. And that's exactly the way that we're supposed to view God's church. And so now we're going to look at a third image. We're going to look at this image of a family. And I think this really wraps it all up quite nicely. But before we do that, we've been kind of contrasting an alternate view at the beginning of every lesson, the consumerist kind of mentality. But today, I want to talk about the club mentality. Not quite the consumerist mentality, but more so the club mentality. This may be a a, a mentality that that many of us have without realizing we have it, and it may be prevalent among churchgoers, that uh, the church is a club. And let's think about this for a second because it's interesting. Clubs and churches are very similar in many ways. Whenever you think about a club, maybe a country club or maybe, um, in, in our case, a taekwondo club uh, that our kids are in or basketball or soccer club or whatever the club is or photography club or what I mean, you've got tons of clubs you can go to nowadays. Whenever you think about clubs, you think about some expectations for membership. There are expectations in membership in clubs that you would attend certain events and activities that the club puts on and that you would be a part of that. There are expectations that you would maybe pay a certain amount or do a certain thing in order to be a part of this club. So in churches, there's similar things that happen, right? There's expectations on uh, membership that someone would fulfill a certain requirement, a base level requirement in order to be considered a member, uh, and so there's similarities there. There are events and activities in the church. So there are similarities there. And there's usually a similar dress. And there's usually similar standards. And there's usually similar values. And there's usually a similar interest that everybody is getting together and sharing with one another. And it overall sets them apart from the outsiders. They are a part of this club. They are, uh, And everyone else is not a part of this club. And so uh, in the church we have very similar kind of scenario. Similarities abound between a church and a club. But a church is not a club, is it? Are these two things the same? Would we consider the church to be a club that we are a part of? Usually we join, clubs through shared interests. In the case of a church, the shared interest is spiritual interests. Is that is that the way it is that we just have a this is just a group of people who gather together because we have a shared spiritual interest and that's the extent of it. A lot of times clubs get together but their connections are very shallow. See, they come to a country club or they come to a meeting of people who who do the same thing, whatever that thing is, and they say hi and they get to know the person a little bit, but there's nothing deeper in that. It's just shallow. It's, yeah, we like the same things. We could kind of be friends with one another. I don't want to know all the depth and the details of the things that are going on in your life, but we share a common interest so we can get along together and be just fine. And that's the way clubs are. And churches can follow this exact path to where we get together because we have shared interests and we can talk about some similar things and but it's all just shallow. It's not deep. I don't really care about the depths of the things that are going on in your life. I mean, I'm not here for that. <laughs> I'm here because I'm interested in spiritual things. I'm not interested in your personal life, you know, kind of a an attitude or a mentality. Well, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter twelve, Matthew chapter twelve, beginning in verse forty eight. Listen to what Jesus said. In the context his mother and and brothers had come and they were they were trying to get his attention as he was teaching the crowds. and verse forty eight, it says, But he he replied to the man who told him, his mother and brothers are coming. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For everyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Notice as Jesus is speaking. He claims that the people who want to do God's will are his mother and his brothers and his sisters. He claims that he has a deeper relationship with them. And he, at the exact moment that he's claiming, he has a deeper relationship with those people who have a similar interest in the will of God, a love for the will of God. He says, I got a deeper relationship with them than my own family who is coming to see me. Now that is shocking. Why does Jesus call these people his family? And why does he let his physical family wait while he, he talks to and communicates with this spiritual family that he has now called his own? It's very interesting. And as we consider the church understand the founder of the church did not see the members of the church as acquaintances and friends and people who have a shared interest. But he took it even further than that. And I want to talk about that a little bit. What exactly is a family? Does anybody know what a family is anymore? (laughs) Uh, In our society, families are just really, really confusing. I mean, there's so many families with a single parent. It's ridiculous. And now we're gonna have to get used to that and get used to families with um, you know, multiple step or stepdads and and maybe in some cases in the future there's gonna be the two moms or the two dads and things like that that we're gonna be talking to people about. Like families Are what? What are families? Well, as we think about our family, maybe you grew up in a solid home. You had a mother, you had a father, maybe you had siblings, you had a brother, you had a sister. And as you think about that family and how you grew up together and how connected you were with those members of your family, you can see how your identity goes hand in hand with the family that you grew up with. A lot of the tendencies and behaviors that you have are because the people around you were doing and thinking the same way, and and you adopted those things, and you became like them, and you connected with them on a deeper level. Some of you maybe did not have that experience. Maybe uh, there was just a single parent, maybe an orphanage. Maybe you didn't have any brothers or sisters uh, to pick on you and to to help you understand all of your faults because, let's be honest, that's what they're there for, right, to, to, to pick on you and tell you all the things you're doing wrong. Maybe you didn't have that, but that's what families are there for, right? They're, they're a part of your identity. They help you grow up. They help you understand the things that are going on in life, and they prepare you for the future. They're there for you. They emotionally support you. They, they love you. They physically, in some cases, support you. And for better or worse, we are always going to be associated with our families as long as we live in the same area as our family. They know If people know our family and they know that last name, they're going to associate us with that family, for better or worse, right? In some cases, we don't really want that, and maybe we move off. But in, in many cases, we do want that. There's a goodness associated with that name. And, and we're proud of that. And we're happy to be associated with that family. So families are, are meant to be this source of support, encouragement, and loyalty. They're supposed to be the place that we look at and say, that's who I am. That's where I'm from. That's what I'm a part of. And I'm glad to be a part of that. And I'm a working part of that. I, I add to the value of the last name that we all share. And if my brother or my sister or my mother or my father is in need, I'm there for them, right? That's family. And that's the way we see family in the best sense. In all the movies and everything, in the best sense, that's what family is all about. Jesus, in this case, shocks everyone. By calling these people family. Isn't that odd? We know what family is, and this this is not his family. (laughs) Look at Luke 14. He says something even more shocking. Luke 14, verse 25. It says, Now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I thought it was extreme for him to call people who were not his family, his family, but now he calls for all of his disciples to essentially disown their families in this, in this text. For some of you, that's no big deal. You're like, I don't like these people, and maybe you don't even have a family. You're just like, whatever, I'll leave them, yeah, sure. But for other, others, this is everything, right? Your family is everything. These are the people who you rely on, who you count on, who you love, who you cherish. And the world around us tells us family is not the most important thing. Family is everything. That's what they tell us. That's what we hear all the time. And so as we hear Jesus say, you must hate your father, mother, brother, sister, wife, children, in order, and even your own life, in order to be my disciple. That blows us away. But one thing I want to point out to this is notice how that doesn't fit the club mentality that we talked about earlier. Remember the club? You got all these people around you that you are you know and you have shared interest with and it's real shallow kind of thing. Well, notice Jesus isn't joining a club. He's rejecting his family and he is taking on a new family. And notice Jesus is not telling us to join a club. He's telling us, Abandon your family in order to be a part of this family, in order to be a part of what I am giving you, because ultimately he's calling for us to be a part of a new family. He's telling us to gain family. Whenever his disciples are asking about uh, what what they'll receive, because they did leave their family. They left everything in order to follow Jesus. Jesus uh, Peter says, See, we've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne. You have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses and brothers and sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last. Notice Jesus promises those who have left their family in order to follow him, you'll receive a hundredfold and you will inherit eternal life. So Jesus is offering something really amazing to do this. Now, we don't like this idea, abandoning my family, but Jesus has just made us a killer offer, right? This is better than family, even though we love our family, right? This is eternal life. And this is an even bigger family, hundredfold children, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers. So he asks a lot, but he offers even more. As I say all of this, you know, Jesus doesn't want us to do evil. (laughs) Whenever he says, you must hate your father, mother, brother, sister, wife, child, he's not telling us to go and beat them or try to kill them or anything like that. He's not telling us to disown them necessarily. Other places he says for us to honor our father and our mother. And, And there's a, a very obvious love that he has for his mother and a very obvious love that he has for his brothers. So it's not really that he's deci- he's desiring us to abandon them or to reject them altogether, but he needs to clarify this is not a club you're joining. This is a family that is more, important and more valuable than your own family. As wonderful and as important and as as loyal you are to your own family, Jesus is calling for us to be a part of a, a new family that's a greater family with greater support, greater encouragement, and greater loyalty. That's what Jesus is trying to get across to us. And so we see the club mentality and the family mentality, they do not They do not correspond as much as they appear to. That the church is not a club. It is a family. And it is deeper relationships than than we would find in a club. So our goal is to join ourselves to this family. To buy in to the values, the beliefs, and the direction that our father and our elder brother are giving to us and to have that loyalty and that desire to encourage and to build up the brotherhood and to let go of the shallow club-like mentalities. Remember, I was growing up, I had a great family. Loved my family. And whenever I was in high school, my brother had already graduated, and he came back, and he took me fishing, and he told me, Don't get mixed up in this, 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 and this. Don't throw your life away. He served me, and he he cared for me, and he encouraged me, and he was loyal to me. And that's what we're called to be with one another, to have that love and that desire to build up one another. And so what would it look like if we believe this? If we all loved God's will and we considered one another family, what would that look like? It would look like us being there for each other in hard times. I know some of you have been through really, really difficult times in the last few years since I've been here. And some of you have been through hard times before I was even here. And I see the remnants of it. In Galatians 6, Paul tells us, Bear one another's burdens. The idea of a burden is a crushing weight. And if you're being crushed by a weight, and you're all alone, there's not much hope. The beauty of this relationship that we're supposed to have with one another is, we're supposed to be able to share, this is a crushing weight that I'm under with our brother, and our brother is supposed to come and help us lift that weight up so that we can get out from underneath it. There's supposed to be a willingness to serve each other, to take time out of our days, to take uh, you know money out of our pockets, to do whatever is needed to help my brother. The way we treat our brother, the way we treat our sister, the way we treat our mother, the way we treat our father, it should be the way that we treat one another, the way we love one another and care for one another. There should be no difference because this isn't a club where those people have their problems and I have my problems and we don't intermix because we're really just strangers who have similar interests. That's not the way family works. In a family, we care for one another. Sometimes that means we have hard conversations with each other. Sometimes we disagree. You ever done that in your family? Sure. But at the end of it, we love and we respect one another. And we value the relationship too much to just let it be destroyed. That's my family. A lot of times we say we only get one of them. This is it. These people who are around us, who are part of our family will be our family for all eternity. So long as we are encouraging and building them up and keeping them on the right path. So we should be loving and respecting one another, even after we disagree. We should come back and love each other and respect each other and mend what's broken and build that relationship the way it's supposed to be. And we should all know that we can count on one another. We can forgive each other. We can be patient with each other. And we can strengthen and encourage one another to persist in the goals that God has given us to glorify his name. You know, we're all very different people. We come from different places. Some of us are from Alabama. Some of us are from Ohio. I know Mark's from Ohio. Some of us from North Alabama. Some of us from Tennessee. All of us all over the place, right? Mississippi. Mississippi. But we're united in Christ, and we're called a family. We're brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers. And we need to know that even though that person is not like me in some ways, that's my brother, that's my sister. We need to make others feel that whenever we're talking to them. If we know that they're a believer, one who loves God's will, we can call them our family, and we ought to treat them that way. And that's our mission and that's our goal. The church is not a place. It's not a business. It's not a club. It's who we are. We're the body of Christ and we're the family of God. If you don't feel like you're a part of that family, how can we help you? How can we help graft you into this family? How can we help you feel more like a part of this family will you help us understand has to have a lot of we have to have a lot of communication for that to happen we have to work on communication for that to happen there's been times over the last 3 years when our congregation hasn't felt as much like a family as I would like for it to and maybe you feel the same way but if we're a family that's broken We need to get together and mend it and make it what it ought to be. And I want all of us to play a role in that, and I hope that we will. If you're here this morning and you're not a part of God's family, you can be a part of God's family today. And you can play a role in mending what's broken in our group as we're struggling through uh, the connection that we have with one another. The tendency is to make this into a club, but it's not a club. And if you want to help us in that, with that in some way, and we'd love to have you help us. We need your help. But if you have not had your sins forgiven, you've not put God's will ahead of your own, then you need to make that decision today and become a part of us. If there's anything we can do to help, please come as we stand and as we sing.